All right, welcome to uh, Teen Sunday School. It is April 11th, and uh, we're going to start a new series today. But I want to hear just kind of how you how your memory is after not having Sunday School for two weeks. What would you guys talk about right before, or the week before Easter? Should be pretty easy. You remember? That was before that, right? We did. You, Levi did like a standalone lesson. He did one similarly, though, right? It was about Passover still. Yep. So those are my two questions for review. Um, we are in the book of James. You guys don't have to turn there because I'm actually going to make you go to Galatians first. But <laughs> uh, here's a question: How many Jameses do you know from the Bible? You should at least know two. Okay, so James, and he's a what? A disciple, right? So I'm going to call this one James, the son of Zebedee. Who's his brother? John. John the Revelator. All right. So then there is James, son of Okay, I'll give you that. Here we go. You win, Gideon. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's one more that I'm looking for. Son of. Do you guys remember the uh, the disciples' name song? <laughs> No, I only learned that. So this is uh, James, the son of Alphaeus. And that's literally, he's mentioned in like three out of four Gospels as James, the son of Alphaeus. He's one of the 12. Okay. Alphaeus. So these guys are disciples. But James is the son of Joseph. All right. And we believe him to be half-brother of who? Yes. And we believe that this James is the author of our book. All right? And we're going to kind of figure out how we know that to start. So, let's jump into James by turning to Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. 
And Aaron's going to start reading, and we're going to go backwards. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain king from the Syrians, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Circumcision, and that's all we need right there. Two verses. Okay, so what is what does this mean? Who's talking? Who's the author of the book of Galatians? Paul. Paul. Okay, so Paul is talking, and uh, what does he do to Peter? He confronts him, gets in his face, says, "You're wrong." All right. What was Peter doing? So before these people came from James, before these people came from James, Peter had no problem eating and, and talking with the Gentiles. But once these people came from James, he stopped. And Paul was yelling at him, saying that he was wrong because he shouldn't have stopped. Because there's no reason. There's, uh, after Jesus came, there's no difference between a Jew or a Gentile. Okay, But that's kind of what we're learning here. The things that we can take away, okay? The people that came from James are what? It says, of the circumcision. So we can then assume what? They're Jews. Very good. All right? So... The people that came from James are Jews. So what does James do? All right, We get a little more information about what James does from the book of Acts. All right, Paul visits... You don't have to turn there. Uh, Paul visits James and asks him for some advice, actually, uh, when he's starting his final trip uh, that eventually leads him to Rome. Uh, so we know that James... Uh, is a teacher in Jerusalem, actually. Okay? So this is what he does. He is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he must be a pretty important guy in the church for Paul to come and ask advice. Right? So this guy is pretty important. So we'll see what he has to say. All right, so question, how do we know that James the son, son of Zebedee and James the son of Alphaeus are not the author of this book? It's pretty simple. Essentially, uh, after Pentecost, I have it on Pentecost, uh, received the Holy Ghost, and then uh, the 12 apostles kind of spread out, and they went around uh, to different parts of the known world and started teaching. So this is the only guy left who's teaching to the Jews, okay? And we'll see in the first verse of James, his letter is to the Jews, okay? So, uh, personally, this is one of my favorite books. Uh, it's one of my favorite books to study because I have a bunch of brothers. And uh, growing up, we got into a lot of things, uh, a lot of fights, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of trouble and a lot of disagreements. So it's kind of easy for me to understand uh, the relationship of a brother. So, uh, you know, take a second. Think. 
Think about what it would be like to be siblings with Jesus. All right? What would that be like? <clears throat> You're kind of on an even playing field, but if your sibling is, is God, like that's, that's a pretty difficult situation. Okay? All right? You, uh, you have the same experiences. You're still growing up together, all right? But your older brother is perfect. Okay? You're always getting into trouble, but not him. You're always wrong, but he's always right whenever you disagree. All right? No matter how hard you try, your older brother is just perfect. All right? So kind of a difficult situation. How do you think this would make James feel? How would you feel in this situation? Depressed. Depressed. That's a a good, definitely an emotion. Anything else? How would you feel, Audrey, if Eli was perfect? I kind of akin this to like you kind of just want to give up, right? No matter what you do, can't be even on par, right? Jealous, even. So, knowing how James must have felt growing up, it's kind of amazing that he ended up being the leader of the church in Jerusalem, right? You're in this pretty tough situation. And then you come all the way to actually believing that your half-brother rose from the dead, is the son of God, and died for your sins. And you're willing to teach everybody about that. So James, James came a long way. All right? If he had stayed feeling this way, I'm sure he never would have come to believe in Jesus and do what he did. Okay, so with that in mind, let's turn to James now. And the next person in line, we're in the New Testament. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. Short little book near the back, five chapters. Just read verse 1, whoever is next in line. Greetings. All right, so James introduces himself. And notice that he doesn't call himself out as a half-brother of Christ. All right, so people would know at this time. If that's who he was, and he, uh, he's writing to people who have left Jerusalem, okay? The 12 tribes which are scattered about, all right? Why did they have to scatter? Why, why couldn't they stay in Jerusalem or stay in Israel? That's part of it. But the Jew, you know, that was kind of the disciples' job and the other apostles' They went out and spread the word, but, you know, this is their home. Why'd they have to leave? What else was going on at this time? Jesus has died, gone back to heaven. Pentecost has happened. 
what's the next thing in the story? You get people like... What do the Jewish leaders do? They try and squash the church. Right? You get, you know, Stephen in the book of Acts goes and, uh, you know, preaches in front of them and they stone him to death with Saul watching. They throw their coats at Saul's feet. Right? And then Saul takes it as his, his mission to persecute and crush this new sect, the way. All right? So essentially, they are persecuted to the point where they have to leave. Okay? And they uh, disperse, the Greek word diaspora, and they go all the way out and, and eventually end up filling the whole known world. But these are the people that uh, James is writing to. Kind of a tough situation in and of itself. All right? So James is going to talk to them about how to deal with a tough situation. You've been forced out of your homes, and uh, he should know. He grew up in a tough situation. So, next verse. What do you do in a tough situation? James chapter 1, verse 2. Diverse temptation. So I'm going to use the word trials here, okay? <clears throat> because there is a distinction. All right? But what does he tell us to do when we're in diverse trials? Be joyful. Ouch. All right, let's move. You know, like, I, I read that and I was like, no, you got me. That's tough. Can you say that that's how you react whenever you're in a trial? Like, honestly? If you're having a tough time at home or with your parents or your brothers or sisters, school, tough time with a friend, like that's, that's your first reaction. Be joyful. Raise your hand. Nobody? Okay, good. All right, so that's a pretty tough way to be. Pretty tough way to be, okay? Pretty tough way to start a letter. You guys just got kicked out of your homes. Be joyful, okay? He doesn't leave us there, though. James is going to tell us why we should be joyful. Verse 2 through 4. Next few people. All right. So why are we to be joyful? It's pretty clear, right? Why? If we're in a trial and we are joyful, what do we get? Yeah, we get patience. All right. So our trials produce patience. And James says that patience can make us, uh, or actually change us and mold us into what we're supposed to be. Make us more perfect. Okay? Make us more like Jesus. And who would know better than somebody who grew up with him? 
okay? He said, if you're in a trial and you're joyful, you'll learn patience, and that'll make you more of what you're supposed to be. So James must have figured out, while he was in this situation, growing up with Jesus, that God was trying to mold him, all right? Make a new person through the trial of growing up with a perfect sibling. And James is sharing that with all these people, okay? We should be tr- joyful with our trial because it, can, <clears throat> because it is God working in your life. So I'm thinking, okay, that's all well and good. I know why I should be tri- uh, joyful in my trials. But my next question is how? Let's keep reading. Verse 5. So how can we be joyful when we're in a trial? Absolutely. So when we're in a trial, James tells us to pray. Ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you liberally and without reproach. What does that mean? Liberally and without reproach. Break it down. What's liberally mean? In great amount. Okay. And what does reproach mean? Kind of. It's kind of like uh, judgment or disapproval. Yeah. So he's going to give it to you in great amount. And he's not going to be upset with you. He's not going to disapprove of you asking. Okay, he, he knows that we all need this and he's happy to give it to us as much as we need. And that wisdom that God gives us will help us find our joy in the trial. All right, it'll help us grow and get that patience that we need to be more like Jesus. So I'm reading this and thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this now. If I've got God's help and he promises to give us wisdom to help us grow, all, right, all we have to do is ask. But James, he gives a warning, a caveat here. Let's read verse 6 through 8. All right. So now these verses, they're a little hard. Okay, it, it's a little tough to understand. Uh, to get the actual meaning of them, we can say it like this. All right, for let not a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So it's kind of like Yoda speak, like we have to read it backwards to get the actual meaning of this sentence. Okay? The way the Greek is translated makes the English a little difficult. But essentially, James warns, all right, we must have faith and trust that God will do as he promises. Okay? We can't be wishy-washy, like a wave tossed by the wind. So you guys have seen the lake or a pond or anything with waves, all right? Is a good, strong wave easily tossed by the wind? 
How small does a wave have to be to be redirected by the wind? Pretty small, right? They're, they're going into shore most of the time, right? You have to be pretty weak to be tossed by the wind, okay? So we have to be that strong wave on our path to Christ. We all falter, right? We're all going to slip. But it's kind of what you do when you mess up that's important, right? Are you going to give up? The minute you slip, you're going to get right back up and, and keep going. All right? So that's what James warns. You have to be the strong wave when you ask. All right? You have to decide, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to take joy in this trial because I know God is making me who he intends to be. God has a plan. I trust that. And I'm going to ask him for wisdom because I know he's going to provide. All right? So let's keep going. Verse 9 through 11. Perishes. All right. So a lot of people look at this, these three verses, similarly to what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of truth there. But we have to think that we're talking about trials. Okay? So if we look at it from that perspective, we are the lowly brother, okay, the lowly brethren, when we are in a trial. And we're the rich when we are out of that trial, when we've overcome it, okay? And throughout our lives, we're going to be in both places, all right? Sometimes we're going to be in a valley, and we're going to be going through something, and sometimes we're not, okay? So from that perspective, verse 9, which is, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, okay, is kind of a summary of what we've been talking about, all right? We take the joy in our trials because we know that God is molding us and making us according to his plan. But verse 10 and 11 are new. James is saying, be ready. Be vigilant. Don't get lazy when your trial is over. Continue to lean on God and continue to ask for wisdom. Keep all of that progress and patience because something is coming. Something is coming that we need to be ready for. And if we're not vigilant, it'll dry us up like cut grass on a hot summer day. Right? The head of the flower will fall off if we're not ready. So what do we need to be ready for? We've been talking about trials, and those come from God. Let's see what we need to be ready for, verse 12 and 13. All right. So what's coming? What is James trying to warn us about? We've been talking about trials. Which are not the same as temptations. 
right? These come from God. These are evil, all right? So we have the trials so that we can be ready for these, okay? What is a temptation? Just kind of definition. Draws you off of the path from God, all right? So these feelings that James probably had would be temptations, all right? He'd be tempted to give up here. Why keep trying? Why should I do what's right when it, I'm always going to be not good enough or not as good as my brother? All right? Temptations, unlike trials, are not from God. They are evil. Trials, as we've been saying all along, are from God. There's the difference. And they're made to mold us. <clears throat> he's going to give you trials so that you're ready for the temptations. And we can trust God that he'll never give us a trial that we can't handle. Right? He knows our limits better than we do. But those trials, as I've been saying, are to prep us for the temptations. Temptations can be anything, and they're different for everybody. But God promises that if we overcome them, then we'll what? What do we get if we overcome these? Crown of life. Crown of life. All right, and that's the goal. So as Jesus' brother, I'm sure James was tempted plenty to give up, to hate. All right? But with God's help, knowing that the trial was to help him grow, all right, he obviously overcame and became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. All right? So that is an introduction to the book of James. And whoever teaches next week will pick up here. That's all I got. Thanks, guys.